Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt. On today's show, we are joined with Keith Grant, author of CSS In-Depth, a new book for helping people write better CSS. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration, handpicked by me. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. And now, on with the show. How did you get involved with the web? Actually, how did you get started? What was your, what was your first contact with the web? And- My first contact with the web was uh, I was in high school in the 90s, and we had AOL. And um, at some point, AOL let you throw up a, a website. They'd provide hosting. And um, and so it was, it was just a process of view source, see how things worked, fiddle with. Um, originally, it was, you know, the... the font tags and the, the center tags and uh, inlining all the background colors. And I just had fun fiddling with colors and backgrounds and um, writing content that was just nonsense. I mean, it was, you know, I was playing video games, so I'll put, you know, information about Quake or whatever um, <laughs> on a website. But I just mostly had fun building the website. Um, so and- I've, been, I've been doing this since, you know, early on. So in Quake, for those people who don't know, it's sort of like Overwatch for today's age. Is that right? I guess that's how. I haven't actually played Overwatch, so I couldn't say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have I, because I think I wear the same kind of boat, because I was just like, I know of Overwatch, but I feel like when I, I, I looked into it, it was like, hey, that's like, that's like Quake, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot more fun and mainstream yeah. than it was when I played it. So yeah, cool. So, so that's how I got hooked back, back then. And so, and you've actually spoken at uh, CSS DevConf. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, I knew I knew you. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, um, yeah. So yeah, I would, I, I don't remember much about doing the conferences cause like I love putting on the conferences, but it's such a big blur. Like, oh, I, I can imagine. Yeah. So you're just worried about all the details. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I'm glad we have this opportunity to talk. So it's been great. And so your talk, I just want to talk about just briefly, was about stop thinking in pixels, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think I actually saw your presentation because I was running <laughs> around. Uh, so what was your the gist of your talk back then? Uh, the, the gist of my talk was, um, was primarily just about uh, focusing on the benefits of M's mm-hmm. and relative, relative sizing on the web uh, and how pixel-perfect design is, and f- trying to measure every little thing is kind of doing you a disservice because if you just can free yourself from worrying about exact measurements, those measurements don't really matter. Um, and, and you can use relative units like M's and sizing things in M's makes sense if you aren't obsessed with how does it exactly calculate out? How does it measure out? Uh, and I talked about, you know, using, doing font sizing, scaling, module, modular um, scalar sizes for fonts and uh, things like that. Okay. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed is that uh, we've uh, people like embrace media queries and they sort of approach it as, oh, great. I'm setting setting this grid, uh, my canvas, if you will, uh, to be, you know, like you know, like 900 pixels wide, 
And then mm-hmm. in that canvas, I can say like, you know, between this, you know, fudge area of like 900 pixels to like whatever the next breakpoint would be, <clears throat> I can just gleefully set my font sizes to, you know, 12 PX, you know, pixels and stuff like that. And then, so they set their font sizes to, to pixels, uh, you know, for all these various shapes. And um, I don't know, just, um, I find that uh, like a bad practice. Like, like, is that, would you recommend that or would you still recommend like EMs or Yeah, I definitely else? prefer EMs and REMs. I mean, if you, if you use, EMs can get hairy for font size just because of the way mm-hmm. you're defining font size in terms of font size. Um, but REMs is a perfect workaround for that. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is if you do your breakpoints, you can change what a rem means. Mm-hmm. And so at a larger breakpoint, your H on the HTML element, if your font size is say 18 pixels, mm-hmm. then that's a rem for the whole page. And the whole page that everything on the page is defined using rems and M's will scale based on that. And then at a smaller font size mm-hmm. or at a smaller uh, breakpoint, use a smaller font size and things will just kind of scale down for you. Right. And you don't have to put media queries all over your style sheet. You just have one media query up at the top, or you use like um, Mike Ruth Miller's scaler, uh, I forget what he calls it, but he's got like a whole um, formula for allowing your font size to just fluidly scale right. between, you know, whatever endpoints you want to set on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that's one thing I, I, I picked up from your book was about applying a font size to the HTML element was that and using the uh, calculate, you know, calc function for sizing up there as, as that I differ. Um, I think I never thought about that. I always thought about like, Hey, you just put it in the body or something like that. Is, mm-hmm. is there like a super awesome benefit for putting on the, on the root node? Um, there's, I mean, just kind of what I was just saying about it, it redefines a rem for the okay. whole page. Okay. Uh, and so if you're able to stop thinking about exactly what everything is in pixels, mm-hmm. um, that just magically resizes for you. And the whole page, as long as you're consistent with M's and REMs where you want it to be, uh, it, it'll just respond. And you, you don't have to spend a lot of time calculating exactly, you know, because there's a lot of math. If you want to know how many pixels, uh, you know, a 1.2 M font is, you've got to do all this division and stuff. But if you can just kind of let that go, it'll, it'll do it for you. Okay, cool. And then also I just, um, and I also put like, uh, you know, box sizing, on like a, a wild wild card selector, but you also put it in the book as a onto the root node as well, and then um, and then but you still use it for, you know, this after and before like with a mm. so um, I guess that goes back to the whole like issue of just setting it globally for, for that. So and just yeah. Yeah, basically you also use inherit as well as, as that. Too. Yeah, so I think, yeah, and that that. I mean, it, that hasn't been as much of a, this hasn't been as much of a problem lately, but mm. if you're using like some older plugins, maybe some old jQuery plugins or whatnot, yeah. sometimes they come with CSS that expects the old um, content box box model. And so if you've got everything set explicitly selecting universally, um, every element on the page is forced into the, the uh, border box mm-hmm. and it can break that plugin that you've got on the page. But if you, have it inheriting, you can just kind of override it on the container okay. and, and inherit down. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I've want to step back also, to, you know, we're talking about your book and I'm just peppering you with a few like CSS nerd questions. Uh, 
So how was the process for writing the book? How was it was it was hard. It was uh, it took a lot longer than I expected. I was at it for at least two and a half years, almost three. Yeah. Um, and it was basically a second job. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd just run off to the coffee shop, you know, a few evenings a week. Um, I would, in my lunch hour, I would hide in a conference room at work and, and just crank away at it. Um, it kind of killed, I, I'm a runner. I love running. Um, but it totally killed my running. I had to, I had to drop out of a marathon and change it down to a half marathon because I just didn't have the time to train for it. And, oh, no. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Those are, they, they, yeah. Books are a time commitment because, uh, it's amazing. You have to like find the time and squeeze it in and, and, uh, it's, it's yeah. amazing how isolating of a process it is to, to write a book. And then it's like, Oh, here it is. So, yeah, yeah. So. I find it. Yeah. I find myself very in my mind. Like I, I would spend, you know, time just thinking about how do I want to structure this, mm topic so that it, it flows that it makes sense the way I, the order i go through mm. the principles and and it took a while to I, I mean i was just in this habit of every time i'd get in the shower it would be think about the chapter i'm working on mm. you know piecing it together and it was it took a while after i was done to mm. kind of be like it's okay i can relax <laughs> i'm allowed <laughs> to not think about nothing yeah um, right yeah it's it's great having written a book before so but the process. So why did you want to write this book? I felt like there was a gap in, in the, the world of CSS books. Um, I felt like there's, there is a lot of introductory stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just very basic. Here's HTML. Here's what a selector is. Here's how this works. Um, and there's some very good resources for people who already have a good handle on CSS. There's like Leah Veru's CSS, uh, CSS, not tricks, but I forget the title of her book. Uh, it's like killer. Um, I have, I have it somewhere. Secrets. Secrets, or yeah, killer secrets. Something like that, yeah. yeah um, but there's not, there's like a, there's an intermediate gap. Hmm. Um, for people who kind of know CSS, they know enough to get by, but they get frustrated with the language. Hmm. Um, and, and I know a lot of developers who are great at JavaScript, and they just kind of have this, they're just kind of stuck in, in CSS. And it's uh, it's hard to know where to go next when you want to learn more CSS. There's not like a clear path through. Uh, and so I really wanted my book um, to be something that would show the pitfalls. Here's, here's the things you've probably struggled with mm-hmm. and how to overcome them and why they work the way they do, because there's a reason for it. And some of it is, you know, there's just an old hack. Floats are an old hack. Uh, but other things are, you know, the document flow on the page behaves this way for a reason so that you don't have to make sure nothing overlaps. Nothing will overlap unless you screw that up kind of thing. Um, and so I, I wanted to provide a, a path through the pitfalls and also show, bring in other best practices such as thinking modular, uh, understanding smacks and, and BEM and, mm-hmm. and that kind of mindset, um, so I, I feel like it it landed in a good spot, um, even even with some of the other updates that have come out. Um, the definitive guide just got out a great update, but his is more of a reference book. It's a very comprehensive, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's got everything in it, and it's that you can tell by the size. It's got everything in it. Yeah, it's like eight hundred pages of. Uh, I, I think it's over a thousand. Oh, a thousand pages. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. 
um, I really wanted something that was at a readable size. And so I, I fought really hard to keep my size down. I'm at, I'm at about 440 pages, I think, is my final I rank. can check for you right now if you want. Yeah, you could. Yeah, the, uh, 444. So, yeah. So that I, includes the index, too, which is indexes are always great. Fairly lengthy, yeah. yeah. Um, so I fought really hard. I made a lot of really hard decisions. There were topics I really wanted to talk about, but... I, I was constantly asking myself, is this really important? I want this to be a book that someone can read all the way through mm-hmm. and progress from the from where I start to where I end um, without bogging down with more than they really need. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, I throw in a lot of, here's this, if you want to go down this road, here's a great resource to go dive deeper into transforms and 3D manipulation, right. that sort of stuff. Um, so, so what topics did you uh, leave out? What did I leave out? Um, ah, that's a good question. I wish I had my table of contents. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I can go, well, let's just, I can go through I, it right now. Just so like, yeah, just so people who know who are like, Hey, try buy this book. Uh, yeah. we got the, you got the cascade inheritance, uh, built of units, box model, sense of floats. I don't want to put you on the spot. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> flex blocks, grid layout, positioning, responsive design, which is like, I saw that chapter. I was like, oh, he's, that's like a whole book. Uh, yeah, it's hard, hard to fit in one chapter. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really impressed with that. As someone who's written a few books, I was like, wow, he, he, he took it on. Uh, modular CSS, pattern libraries, uh, background shadows and blend modes, which is, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. That was really good. Uh, contrast color spacing, topography, which could also be a book, uh, transitioning, transitions, transforms, animations. And so that's, so is that, uh, it's a really good book. That's like really comprehensive as it, it is. It is. So. I, I covered a lot of ground, and uh, and so it, it is a weird blend of I go really deep into the stuff you you've got to go deep into, mm-hmm. um, like box model and and layout and that sort of thing. And other things, I just kind of go here's this. It's fairly straightforward how a box shadow works. Mm-hmm. Now you know it. Let's move on. Um, and uh, th- I tried to be make good judgment calls as far as what's I left out things that are far future still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made a few misjudgments there. I wish I had covered uh, shapes. Mm-hmm. Those are appearing in browsers sooner. And I wish I had covered um, variable fonts, which took off right as I finished the book. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Those are just seem kind of uh, blew up because last year um, uh, we did CSS DevConf and we had uh, Jason Pomatel and he just like, uh, he talked about variable fonts and and how they were coming, and then like they came. <laughs> it they faded like, really fast in browsers. Yeah, it's like uh, I think they realized that embedding three or four typefaces uh, into a, a web page is not a good good way. But if you do variable fonts, you know, with the delta changes oh. of a base font, it's just a lot faster, and you get a lot more robust. I think the browser vendors kind of realized, hey, that's. That's pretty much yeah. I go. It's a so. great, a great perfect game. It's a lot yeah. of fun. I, I'm, I'm just played with it just a little bit, and I, mm-hmm. I can't wait to play with it more and see what, see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, but I also did other things that I, I think I did make a good call. I, mean, I spent a whole chapter on Grid, mm-hmm. um, and I was writing it before it was implemented in any, well, before it was enabled in any of the browsers, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, they just exploded. They all turned it on in the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talked about, um, speaking of fonts, I talked about the font um, loading behavior. There's the, the property uh, to control, you know, do you swap out the font immediately? Do you show nothing and wait for it to load? Mm-hmm. Um, 
things like that. And I talked about kind of the performance implications of, of web fonts and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So you did talk about grid. I guess, I guess one of the things I was going to ask you is this, like uh, you did, you did talk about floats and using floats for layouts. And so, and, um, and I was like, wow, you cover grid, but then you also talk about like a, a basic, you know, not a basic, but just like the, the, I don't want to say it's based, but just like the approach we're doing a float-based grid system mm. as well. And so I, I was wondering what your thoughts were about that. It just seems like you're just trying to be backwards compatible as well as. Yeah, I think there's definitely, um, there's, there's going to be, I mean, we're right on a, a turning point, mm-hmm. but there's still a lot out there on the web mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's float-based. Uh, if you're using Bootstrap, it's still float-based. Right. And even some of the newer frameworks that have a, a Flexbox-based grid still follow a lot of the same principles. There's a you create a row element, and then you put column elements inside of that, and you've got to deal with you know how does the padding work on on each side of each column, and the principle there's basically the same. So I think it's important to know how to maintain that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and and work with it in your day-to-day job while also knowing that that pattern is going away and we're moving towards grid. And and hopefully subgrid in the next year or two. So what's um, what's subgrid? Subgrid. So the way the way CSS grid works is you you call you declare that a container has display grid, and that makes all of its immediate child elements grid items, and they will align to the grid that you define. Uh, so you set how many columns and how many rows, and a, but you you don't have any explicit control over grandchild elements or elements within the child element they you can you can style them but they don't align to the outer grid mm-hmm. and you can define a, a, a grid inside of a grid but you the, right now there's no way to say i want this deeply nested child to align to the first column i defined in the outer grid okay. or it won't automatically grow to fill the row of of the other level up mm-hmm. in the dom and subgrid is a way to do that. It's basically a way to say, okay, there's a there's an outer grid defined, and I want that to apply down to the grandchildren. Okay. And then you can have the, it'll give a lot more freedom how we structure the DOM mm-hmm. while still making everything align to one master grid. Okay. So like so if so if I apply, I'm not sure if I follow. So like so if I have a a grid, and then if I wanted to carry this grid to children elements, I can just like pull it down. Is, is that yeah. Okay. So you say you can just say um, this uh, right now. The, the syntax is something like um, the so that so you have three levels of of DOM elements. You've got the the container, you've got the child, and you've got the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so right now you say display grid on the container, and you can define your grid with columns and rows. And then on the child, what you would say is display grid grid colon subgrid. Mm-hmm. And that basically says, take whatever, so if, if this child element fills two columns and two rows, its children will align with those same two columns and two no. rows. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that way, things at multiple levels of the DOM can all align okay. neatly. So, so it's more like more traditional page layout, it seems like. Exactly. Uh, like yeah. sort of trying, like getting Quark Express into our... Uh, or InDesign, actually, what the new kids would say. Uh, <laughs> it's our, <laughs> I have a browser. So uh, I think I just dated myself. Like, hardcore. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. Because um, I was working on a grid system over the weekend. And so what I wanted to do was, like, I had a grid, you know, and, and it, it had different uh, columns. 
depending on the breakpoints. And so, but I want to throw in an element in the mixture of this, like, you know, grid that just expanded the whole entire width of other things. So I pretty much just said like, okay, I'm throwing monkey wrench <laughs> into, <laughs> into my grid. Uh, how do I, uh, how do I make it so that it fits the entire uh, width of my grid uh, without it being like um, nasty. And so, uh, and so like the way I approached it was I went for this easiest way of implementing grid. Cause I didn't, you know, I didn't want to like spend forever just like running up a grid. And so I had this like a uh, grid template co- columns auto and just do auto, auto, auto mm-hmm. on, on the parent. And then I'm like, boom, <laughs> which is like i've got columns like oh, oh this is this is fantastic and then that's amazing how how little code it takes i know i was like i said like i want to know exactly how much little code because this is a really small web page and website i'm i don't want to be concerned with uh, just like a, it's like a personal project i, like, I don't want to be like messing around uh i don't because i don't want to do like name columns name regions whatever i just, I just want it up and running and um and so i know if i if i actually like flesh it out more i could probably like say hey whenever this thing happens go across but i didn't want to actually do that so um so yeah so if you have any thoughts on like on how to help make that happen i appreciate it but basically i just you were trying to make one of the grid items fill the whole yeah all the columns yeah did you do like a grid column one slash negative one oh i did you do negative values i didn't even know you could do that yeah if as long as the grid is explicitly defined meaning you're not just doing an auto auto fit which will create um actually that may not even be true as long as you're not aligning there's a there's a thing called implicit grid which is basically letting the browser add rows and columns where it needs to but if you're not using implicit grid the negative so it's positive on the i'm trying to decide whether i need to reverse my hands for the video (laughs) um it's it's uh they the lines start on the left say for columns or the top for rows and they count up one, two, three, four, five, but they start on the right at negative and they go negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four. So you can, you can align from the left or the right of your grid. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Or you can do span. There's just so many options. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. So that's one tell thing. It span three columns. And, and yeah. Do it. Uh, I think like every time I spend a little time with grid, I feel like I need to spend, uh, 10 times more time with grid just to figure out everything with it. So, so I, I, you know, appreciate all the work you put into, to write the book. So, because I mean, as someone who's written a book, I know it takes a lot of time, but, yeah. but it's a lot of things to master. I mean, like we talked about what you, what you covered in this book already from responsive to, uh, to, uh, to all, I mean, there's so many things that CSS can do and, mm-hmm. and to be able to wrap your head. Cause it's both like, right brain and left brain working together yeah definitely and, and like but like the thing that that kind of amazes me is like how awesome css is and then um how how slack you know how much it gets slagged by developers right front end yeah. developers and like even in your preface you say like you know css is probably the most neglected part of the web stack and like and well, why do you think that is that's a good question I, th- I think i think part of it is the syntax is so simple um, and, and so when you go to learn it, especially initially, you go, oh, okay, I get it. You just say the selector and you apply some rules and it does it. Hmm. And when you are working with basic tutorials, you have really simple code, really simple markup. And the CSS is, doesn't get very complicated. And so it is really easy in a simple tutorial. There's, it's very straightforward. But when you get into large, complex apps, you're going to do, you know, 
having to write CSS for a website with 4,000 pages, it's, it's a whole other world. And there's not the, it, it, it lulled you into this sense of, Oh, I got this. This is a piece of cake. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, wading through a mess that you don't know how you got into the trouble that you're in and, <laughs> and you don't know how to get out of it. Right. And I, I think, um, and then, and then learning how to fix that, it, there isn't a clear way forward. Like there's not, there aren't, like I said, like the reason I write this book is because there wasn't a lot of uh, material out there for people who knew CSS, but didn't really know how to, how to really work with it uh, proficiently. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wanted to, to give a, a roadmap to help people in that situation. So one thing I would, uh, I find out is that, uh, is that, um, is that it is so simple to use and so easy to get your, you know, stuck. <laughs> like, like you mentioned before, is that, uh, is that, you know, if people, if developers took the time to learn JavaScript, like an iota of the month, how much as they would take to learn CSS, I think they would see how powerful it is and, and, and what, what they could do. Cause I mean, it's, 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 it's hard watching people who I, who are pros at JavaScript just stumble over some basic CSS functionality. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just like, you no, know, like it's, you know, so it's like, uh, so someone had a tweet, I forgot where, where, who said it was like, CSS is so stupid uh, on one hand and then, or it's so powerful on the other hand. So which one is it? Which one do you yeah. want? You know? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, kind of crazy, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it slides up. I think just cause it's, it, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't do it's not like you know it's not on the server as javascript is it's not ubiquitous like, like javascript is but it's but i think it's you know it's it's pretty powerful like in, and just to have that grids adopt so fast to have verbal fonts adopt so fast i think just i don't think it's gonna go anywhere anytime no anytime i mean it's it's changing so fast right now it's it's wild right so and uh, just so uh, people i did find the code that mentioned about columns so uh uh it's uh ah. i use grid area and I did uh, oh, okay. two slash one slash span one slash span four. It's like four column grid. So okay. So yeah. So and uh, that solved the problem. So I was like, oh man, this is fantastic. So so yeah, cool. Um, is there anything that you particularly learned after uh, going through the book? I was like, you went into a lot of different areas of CSS. You know, uh, what uh, anything new that you learned that you didn't know about CSS before? Um. That's a good question. I mean, I, I, Grid and and even Flexbox. I only had a basic grasp on when I started writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was just amazed how <laughs> writing a book is a great way to commit everything to memory. Mm-hmm. Um, people complain about you know having a hard time learning all the properties of Flex, all properties of Grid. It's like I've got it because I spent <laughs> months, <laughs> you know, immersed in it. Yeah. Um, uh, and and it, it forced me to really dig into just some of the stuff I, I, I knew, but I didn't really know exactly how to articulate um, rendering performance and the whole the whole render pipeline mm-hmm. uh, animations and and what really makes how do you, how do you be you know have performant animation. Um, so I, I, there's not a lot of new things I learned, but I my I, my depth of understanding definitely went up when I was forced to, to articulate exactly how things behave. Yeah. Definitely with animation, it's like, it's something that you don't always need, but you know, it's there. And mm-hmm. just to be able to like, you know, have a, have a rock solid uh, understanding of it. I, I actually read this book. I probably was like, 
like I always feel like a little trepidation. It's like, oh, I need to write some animation. Like, oh man, <laughs> like <laughs> I like okay, how do we do this? And so, I mean, but with animations, it just seems like animations now it's just like you just, you just port it over to JavaScript now. It seems like that'd be like kind of the way to do it. Is is that true or? I think uh, I think there's uh, definitely use cases where that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. I think there's also use cases where it makes sense to just do it in plain CSS. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of it's going to come down to the complexity of what you're doing, mm-hmm. especially especially if there's any complex timing of multiple animations. You're mm-hmm. probably going to want a JavaScript library to help you orchestrate that. Mm-hmm. GreenSock is just amazing. Yeah. Um, at, at you know you can just define all your animations and tell it make the whole thing last this long and it'll adjust everything to fit or you can tell it play this in reverse and it'll do it for you and and if you're doing that in vanilla css the number of changes it would take to to make those manipulations would just be unbearable yeah yeah definitely i think if if you want to do like a one-off really simple css animation that's you know i think css is the way to go but then like if you want to do anything like remotely complex with timing or or anything like that i mean it's just it's like a it's a hornet's nest just to try to do yes. css and so yeah and so and i just to tell you how uh fuddy-duddy and old i am i just i remember when apple actually said hey we're doing css we're doing animations we're doing the css i'm like uh isn't that and i was like that should be in javascript you know i don't think that's <laughs> i don't think that should be css because we're uh we're actually changing the behavior of an element on the page and that's like Square one in the in the JavaScript the, the realm, but yeah, uh, uh, I think but you those know, lines Apple have definitely blurred. Yeah, Apple didn't listen to me. I don't know why they didn't listen to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. any, any other things you want to say? Mention about your book? I'm, I'm just going to one through. I, I have a discount code. Oh man, okay, there you go. What is the discount? Code? Um, okay, it's it's a bunch of random letters. <laughs> okay. Well, that's even better. Yeah, okay. well, we'll, C- we'll have it. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. Okay, it is C T W. Mm-hmm. N-B-S-S. Okay, there you go. C-T-W-N-B-S-S. And that works on manning.com. Mm-hmm. And I I believe that is 40% off anything on their website. Okay. Um, it might be 30 if I'm, I might be misremembering that, but okay. I think it's 40%. Yeah. Well, definitely, yeah. definitely, uh, well, I mean, definitely with the, with the discount. You should buy the book before the discount, but now if you have a discount, you should definitely pick it up. So, yeah. cool. And the book is CSS In-Depth. Um, thank you so much, Keith, for, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So, there it is. Yeah, and uh, congratulations on, on writing the book. I know it's thanks. Again, I keep on laboring, laboring over how 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 crazy it is to write a book, but but it is but it's pretty crazy. But uh, and like all that isolation, all that time you mentioned, like yeah, I get PSTD just thinking about it. <laughs> so, but, uh, cool. Uh, where can people find you on the web? And, I'm I'm at keithjgrant.com. I'm Keith J Grant. On Twitter, I'm Keith J. Grant pretty much everywhere. Okay. So cool. Yeah. And also, you just written an interesting blog post, too, I think. Uh, yes. What was your, what was the title of that one? I forgot. Uh, Resilient Declarative hmm. Contextual. Okay. Yeah. Just so, like, so can you tease that one as we, uh... yeah, I, 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 uh, I wanted to dive into kind of the mindset of working in CSS and, and what sets it apart from, you know, writing JavaScript or Python or, or whatever language, just the, the characteristics of the language that you have to think about differently. And, um, and, and I, I identified those three things about CSS that it's resilient. Mm. Um, you know, it holds up to, to network 
faults and things like that, but also that you can do progressive enhancement. You can write code that you know won't work in some browsers, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, declarative, which gives you a lot more power um, to just, you know, as we were saying earlier, you can define a whole grid in just a couple lines of code. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's contextual. Uh, even, even with best practices of trying to make things modular, uh, you still always need to have a little bit of your mind thinking about the bigger picture, mm-hmm. thinking about how does this element behave in the page, not just totally in isolation. And and those are things that uh, can be un, unfamiliar, especially if you're coming from a world of, of JavaScript thinking. Yeah, because it's definitely like the, the idea is just the modules and components and everything is just like we just wrap everything in a tiny bow when we send it off into the <laughs> internet. And like your CSS doesn't touch my CSS because it's, it's, it's all on it's all in JavaScript now and we don't want to touch each other and that's great. So <laughs> yeah. we're all happy. Uh, cool. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for being on the show and, uh, and uh, definitely, so definitely pick up the book CSS in depth and uh, cool. All right. Thanks so much. Excellent. Cool. Thank you. Awesome.